you're listening to the Stronger Stride podcast with your hosts, Lydia Mackay and Sophie Lane. Here we are. Welcome. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was me or you. I was just waiting. <laughs> well, you know, it's good to have a little bit of suspense. How are you doing? What's been happening? Tell me I'm about your life. I'm doing well. I'm doing so well. I am, yeah, enjoying everything, I think. I mean, I'm feeling like um, I feel settled now in Sydney, so oh, that's good. nice. Um, yeah. I still feel like there's just always a lot to do. I'm a bit overwhelmed, to be honest, yes. um, trying to fit all the things in. So yes. that's my current challenge, but we're working through it. I mean, there's worse problems to have, so it's not the end of the world. It's just about mm. time management and figuring out priorities and all of those things. But mm. in terms of my running, last time we spoke, I was tapering for the Sydney Morning Herald Half. Yes. Since Tell then, us. I have completed the run. And yeah. It was and great. I got a PB. A PB. Ooh, applause. How good. Yeah. Everyone is clapping right now yeah, while they're you, running everyone. and listening to this. Yes. Um, amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's it so great. exciting. It's it's really fantastic because we spoke about your tape week and mm, you're wondering worked, if you've done too much, too little, mm-hmm. all those things, but it was fantastic. It yeah, all went perfectly. I guess it, it did. It was great. And um, yeah, it was just a fun day. It was a really good event. I just mm. felt good. And Highlight being being on the phone to you oh, for like so almost nice. all of the run. I still yeah. just like I wonder if other people do that. For context, um, we were speaking about doing like a live stream after the event, whatever, maybe during. We were trying to figure that out. And then I was just really in the zone and not feeling like I should get on Instagram and do a live stream halfway <laughs> through the race because I was I was on track for PB, but I was still keen to catch up on Lydia's life. So she gave me a call and just told me her whole life story for maybe, I don't know, like an hour. And I yeah. just ran along, did my thing, did a few yeps and a few mm's along the way, yeah. but I yeah. couldn't really talk much more than that. So I was just listening and it was a really nice distraction. I got to yeah. just completely take myself away from where I was, but still like enjoy the scenery. And then mm. there would be people cheering and you'd hear them cheering. It felt, it felt like it, <laughs> it really did. It was nice. It's actually really nice because I felt like we were going for a run together, yeah, but like a little nice. bit different because I was at home doing my chores <laughs> and talking to you and, you know, you did contribute. You were a little bit lacking a few times. A few times I was concerned. I was like, you still, you're still there, so. But, um, you know, you still provided some some good answers here and there. Um, and it was really nice because you were telling me where you were up to and what was mm. happening. And I could hear the music and, like, people and loud stuff and all that excitement. So it was nice to be together because mm. I think we said in the last episode we'd done that run together every year for the past, mm. well, we missed the last two years or the year well. COVID, um, UTA, all those things, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, we'd done four years in a row or five years in a row. I don't know what it was. I don't know. But yeah. we still, we carried on the tradition. Despite yeah. you being like six hours away, you were there <laughs> in spirit. It was yeah. so nice. So thank nice. You oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah, um, it looked like a great event and yeah, I wish so I was there. Fun. Yeah, definitely. It was yeah, really good. Um, and then I just had a little bit of a recovery week. I actually was like really sick after the run. So I'm really grateful yes. that I felt good during the run. So that was nice. Obviously yeah. I had something ling- lingering and it just hit me later. So I had a little bit of an easy week and then sort of towards the end of the week on the weekend, got back into things and had a really nice run this Monday. I just felt like I was back. Everything was feeling good. I could breathe nicely. My legs felt good. I just so felt like, good okay. when you can breathe. It is it? so nice. It's just one of those runs that just felt so good, similar to the race. So oh. I'm just really grateful for those runs. I just got back from one 
a few minutes ago and it was another oh, good one so good. I don't want to jinx myself but everything's feeling good so very Gosh. happy can't wait to check your Strava yeah well it's not up there yet gotta oh of gotta course you're gonna get that private public <laughs> transfer <laughs> gosh all right well I won't keep you too long there <laughs> give me time to think of your caption um yes. let anyway, me know if you need any tips you are very good at a caption you know what those people that just leave it as morning run or evening run mm. get out get creative write yeah, some words on. we want it dis- we want to hear descriptives we want to yeah. hear exactly all the details yeah although sometimes when um there's too many details to include i actually don't change the morning run part and i just put the description the, yeah normally well, i hard, do both it's hard to choose the key point right i so know that, really sometimes call. it isn't a key point you don't it's want that like to mess. take away from the rest of it oh, it's tricky. well that's it so sometimes yeah. i'm like no there's a story here nice. i'm just gonna ditch it or you know it depends what you feel but yeah normally i'm both why not, right? Love it. Now, speaking of stories and extra details, mm. would you like to fill us in on your last fortnight? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to be a little bit more concise than I have been the last few weeks because you, know you know what I'm like. We believe it when we see off. it. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. So uh, this week that I'm on currently is a rest week and that is on the back of two 32-kilometer weeks, which Ooh, is really you. nice. Great consistency. Now, my Strava is looking fantastic at the moment. I know... The whole, we're just going to ditch the whole is Strava, the ego, or is it for <laughs> tracking your training? We're just going to put that aside for the moment. My Strava looks great. So <laughs> I've got a really nice incline, just gentle, gradual incline. And you know, the rule is a pram should be able to go up it. It's perfect oh, for a pram. Is that the rule with this or is it that the rule for something else? I've never heard that. Oh, so you got to get up to date. So if you're like, what if you're really strong and just good at pushing prams? <laughs> I feel like it's very subjective. I think you need a new rule. But well, we need that. like a, a, a moderately fit human. So if if you're feeling good, it can you be. You personally a... could push the pram. Is that like it's okay? Well, that you? wouldn't. Well, look, we would we wouldn't say me personally. Maybe um, maybe like a moderately fit seventy year old. Right. So a very slow, gentle, slow. but like every now and then you're up for a bit of a challenge. You know. You know what would be a better um a better analogy mm. would Lydia ride down the other way so we're turning around we're at the top of the, the cliff or would, would Lydia ride down on a bike <gasps> if it's too steep it's oh a no-go but if it's just okay possible, she might gosh move. this changes you know things what? would you ride down on a bike down your I actually think I could yeah. I think I could yeah I, don't I hope you understand steep. what we're talking about <laughs> we need some visuals this makes no sense but if you've got Strava, you know your graph. You've got those ups and downs. Lydia's is a really nice gradual build. But hang on a sec. What Uh-oh. I hadn't actually got into the main part of this. <laughs> okay. So I'm not really helping you on your concise journey. No, I was, oh, I was doing so well. This is your fault. So it goes nice. But you know how everyone thinks it just needs to be this nice continuous line? Mm-hmm. We got to bring in the brakes, okay? Um, Rosie <laughs> was speaking about this on her Strava the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say speaking, I think she just did a post about it. But we got to have the little rest break. Yeah. So I've got pot about holes, six weeks in a row. There's a little pothole. That's it. So <laughs> not too big. And now I've done another six weeks. And it's really mm-hmm. nice gradual build. 26K, 28K, 33K. Are you still listening? 33K, 32K, 32K. So wow. really nice. Another little gradual, gentle incline, which I could ride down on my bike. <laughs> and now is the full big oh, ditch of a pothole. See? The big ditch isn't great, is it? I know, but we the have real, to the embrace big ditch the ditches, is really okay? 
because the ditches are about the rest and the recovery and that's yeah. what we're embracing this is yeah. the year of the ditch and overcome <laughs> i'd rethink that phrase if I was here. um no i think what you're trying to get at is really good i really like that deloads are important deloads um, are important if the we bike take it goes down to, yeah yeah the bike goes down and then you have to learn how to sometimes you just have to go for a bit of a jump yeah exactly but if it's a too big a gap you won't be able to make it so we just want a little deload and then we're back on track not a That's big it. months and months off and then you've got to yeah. rebuild slowly That's good it. so potholes yes. Jumping over small gaps. What was your? Got to be thing? trusting, trusting, trusting of the process. Hold yes. on to those so, bars, but not enough too of the flat Strava graphs. We want yes. some bumps. Oh, that's it exactly. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I think that's really good. <laughs> that's a nice summary of my week. Anyway, I'll give you a few little um, snippets of my actual runs. Some good running in the rain because everyone oh, knows yeah. lots of La Nina at the moment. Um, most of my shoes are muddy, and well, you know honest, what you need. You need the, oh. what we call them, the oh beta fly gum boots. Oh, that's exactly what I need. Check How out our Instagram so? for context. Well, um, everyone needs them. Everyone's sick of having soggy wet shoes. You know what? Don't get soggy yeah. wet. Gum boots. Can't that's true. Gum boots. They need a sole that is cushioned, carbon fiber plate. Imagine yeah. the combo. Best carbon fiber. Uh, check might get really sweaty feet. Guys. Not much uh, ventilation, but we'll work on that. That's, Maybe version 2.0 will have a few. Yeah. Well, you got to have something left in the, for the next model up, right? Yeah. We can't do anything too good too soon. Yeah. So well, that's it, guys. Um, But yeah, you're right. The mud is great. And I've been a bit slack with <laughs> That's cleaning. definitely not what I said. <laughs> Thanks, so. The mud is great. <laughs> no, nah, but look, we like a bit of mud. It's good to test out the new shoes, right? <laughs> but I've, on my shoes, I've got my garages filled with muddy shoes. You know, you know, you just don't really wash them and you just sort of let yeah. them sit there. That's my garage at the moment. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my updates. Lots of mud, wow. lots of wet shoes. The moon. Oh, the moon has been great, guys. Check out my Instagram for some moon content. I found a new hobby. It is called running under moon the moon. Watching. Oh. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah. I've structured my week for the moon. Honestly, <laughs> I've just been making sure that I can, if the moon's going to be out, I'll be there. So, guys, <laughs> lucky you see- for you, the moon is often out, <laughs> and it's not something that just, you know, comes and goes in seasons. Um, it a- does come and go when you've got Sorry. a lot of cloud and a lot of rain. A lot of cloud, a lot of like, you know, and it goes for a long time. But it's always up there. You've just got to like squint a little bit. But you're not bathing in it. Bathing, you're not bathing, bathing in the moonlight. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I think we've got the highlights. Nice smooth graph. I don't know what any of that chat just was. (laughs) The pram works. We're about overcoming the ditches, trusting in the process, and embracing the recovery. And I was just saying to Soap before we jumped on, Mm -hmm. I'm on my complete rest week from running. So no running at all. I'm still going to the gym. I've been to the gym the last three days in a row and I've been for some walks. And I'm not actually missing running. I'm actually really just chilling. Like it's good. You know, I'll go for another walk tomorrow. Go to the gym, hopefully go for a surf. Um, but it's fine, you know. I did see some runners go past and I was like, oh, who are they? That looks like fun. But I can look forward to it next yeah, weekend. Next week. Yeah, next week, Monday. So it's not back. too far away. Good. Good to hear. Um, now, our guest today. Oh, Tom O'Halloran, the physiotherapist, biomechanics specialist, strength and conditioning expert. Just honestly, like. If we're talking about Australian rehab people, 
Mm. He's got to be up there, right? Like yeah. the stuff that he knows and just the way that he's kind of, um, I guess, sharing his knowledge in mm. a really easy to digest way on mm. Instagram through that platform is really helpful because, you know, you learn some stuff in uni, but when you can see someone applying it to different scenarios mm. or particular runners or particular injuries or movement patterns, it's so nice to just be able to have that in really nice, easy to, to digest um, content. Mm. So really appreciate all the work that Tom's doing in that area. It's really, mm. really cool and really grateful that we got to chat to him. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So um, exactly everything you said. So if he really is great at breaking things down, really complex concepts and making it easy to understand, his website is fantastic. Like, if you, I mean, his Instagram is fantastic too, but if you go through his blog post, he's got just so many things of like common runners complaints, like tight hips, sore calves, like just all these things. Mm-hmm. And then he just has all these videos and these explanations really detailed. I know some people like that super fast like quick summarized content, which he's got on his Instagram and is really to the point. But on his blog, there's just like that little bit more detail and it's fantastic. So a lot of, um, I guess, physios or people in that rehab space or SNC coaches often will just like give you that tiny bit and then be like, if you want the rest, like mm. pay for out, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Tom just like puts so much information out so there much. and is just so helpful. And in our episode, he really just, he just gave us so much, so much practical advice. So hopefully mm-hmm. you guys are going to get, well, I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it because we spoke all about the Achilles, which is mm-hmm. almost every runner's favorite topic or maybe least favorite yeah, topic because so say. many runners have issues with their Achilles. Yeah. And basically Tom explained to us what is the Achilles. He talked a bit about the anatomy just to break that down and then spoke about how it works and what the common issues are that runners experience with Achilles and how we can train in the gym or out of the gym to prevent these issues and improve performance. Mm. It's so important. Like it's, it may seem kind of relevant if you hadn't, if you haven't had any issues Mm. with your Achilles, but the amount of force and load that that tissue takes when we run and the amount Mm. that it produces and the amount that you can manipulate your performance through training techniques, Mm. it's just an amazing structure. And it's so like, if you, tried to walk around without your Achilles you wouldn't get very far so really really important I, <laughs> I mean there's a um, few things that you wouldn't get very far if you took out but yes <laughs> it is um, a good one to have it's important and I think it's just a, such a common injury for runners so mm. I'm sure you or someone you know has had some issues with your Achilles in the mm. past so a really good one to just wrap your head around if you haven't had an Achilles issue yourself then you know someone who has slash probably almost everyone you know and yourself you've experienced a problem or a pain or a tightness or whatever at a time so this episode is basically for every runner Um, but I think the good thing is he explains a few things that might be a bit of you know misconceptions for people Mm. because you often hear people say oh just do a few calf raises while you're cleaning your teeth and like Mm. awesome great I'm all about that I love the multitasking especially when you're cleaning your teeth another good one is while you're waiting for your kettle to boil but you've got a few more things to tick off and Tom sort of breaks it down in quite a simple way to understand so if you're thinking about getting into the gym hopefully you already are and you're already doing it but if you are listening to this episode and go oh my goodness I'm not doing any Achilles stuff well you're about to start now. And this is going to be the episode of the how-to guide. So stay tuned, have your notepad out, be ready, be excited. Enjoy the episode and like, subscribe, follow. Actually, you know what? If you've never done any of those things, today's your day. Try yeah, something new, 
click a button, maybe a five-star review, mm. whatever you fancy. Just do something today for us. We'd really appreciate it. We would love it. A share on Instagram is Ooh, really lovely. Good one. Um, also, guys, we've got a Facebook community. So please jump onto that. We've got the link in our Instagram bio. Um, we also haven't announced on here that we have our yeah. website live. Congratulations, us. Yeah. You'll be able to hit the link in our bio and you'll see our website. You'll see the Facebook community. You'll also see our Spotify playlist. Um, we haven't mentioned that for a little while. You know what? I forgot to tell you. In between or before and after our phone call on the run, I was listening to that. Oh, good. And it was great. I loved oh, it. Fantastic. Yeah. Glad to hear. So, guys, also, if you want to um, request any songs for that, let me know. I'll add it in. I'll let mm. Soph know. She'll add it in. Guys, you guys are going to be busy. Yeah. Clicking lots, lots of buttons. Lots good. of buttons. All right. We better leave you to it. Enjoy the chat with Tom, and we'll catch you in the next one. All right, see you later. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Strong Side podcast. We have Tom O'Halloran here, who is a physiotherapist with a special interest in biomechanics, strength and conditioning, um, and all things movement for rehab for runners. So welcome, Tom. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I think we've had you top of the list for quite a while now, probably since we started, actually. So it's good mm. that we finally got around to organizing it. Yeah, um, coming awesome. off the back of your course that I did was lucky enough to be part of eight week mechanics of movement course, which was awesome. So um, yeah. I think that just sort of highlighted the need for us to get you on because I learned so much and I was telling Lydia all about it. So we're keen to sort of get you on and, and shed some of that knowledge with the listeners as well. Um, if you want to give us a little bit of your background, Tom, how you got into physiotherapy, how you kind of specialize with your, I guess, niche um, and yeah, any other background you want to share? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so I've been a physio for 12 years. So I went to La Trobe Uni in Melbourne and finished in 2009. And then I sort of worked in different private practices along the way, but always had a real interest in just lower limb injuries and strength and conditioning. So I was always probably more suited to an exercise physiology role, but it wasn't really a, um, an offering when I finished school. And so, yeah, just worked along and then was treating a lot in rooms and I was just getting a bit frustrated with the same type of people coming back, just getting their quick fix and then coming back, you know, a month or two later with some other injury, but just from the same sort of um, lack of movement, lack mm. of lack of um, sort of that internal locus of control and lack of any sort of active or proactive approach to how they viewed their health or injury. And then I actually moved back to the surf coast where I'm from and I started a physio practice with two business partners in about 2016 and I wanted to try and get out of the treatment room, so more into the gym and try and, um, yeah, really use that proactive preventative approach, which had started well. So we set up a really cool little practice in Ocean Grove um, got a really good gym, got some referrals from the doctors. But over time, unfortunately, my two business partners um, had a bit of a different vision and they owned another clinic. They were probably 15 years older than me. And the clinic just slowly transformed back to that passive treatment, giving patients mm. what they want. And then, um, yeah, after a year or so, I just realised I had to get out because mm. I felt like I was getting stuck and wasn't learning anything and was just, yeah, not giving patients or, um, yeah, the community what I thought they needed, which was more of that preventative 
proactive mm. approach. Mm. And then, yeah, sort of was a bit lost with what to do. And then I enrolled in a master's of strength and conditioning through ECU just to try and learn a bit more about that, but without really a direction of where to go. And so I did that slowly over four years and I actually got a job in Newcastle actually with the Defence Force. So I worked oh. with the School of Infantry Soldiers and the Air Force, um, so part-time at each, and that was really good. So that infantry soldiers taught me heaps about the lower limbs. So we would see stress fractures of the shins, feet, hip, um, wow. yeah, just all the time. They just had crazy training loads, crazy um demands on them and it was kind of like a um let's just load them and see who makes the cut and who gets injured um they they adapted it slowly over time but yeah we just see the same thing and it was awesome because I learned so much about how to diagnose how to treat how to progressively load these injuries but at the same time we just sort of sat there waiting for these injuries to happen Mm. and after doing more of that S&C masters I started to think okay maybe we should be getting in and looking at the factors that are contributing to these stress fractures and you know trying to come up with some sort of like lower limb screen or can we predict who gets injured who doesn't Um, can we look at a strength and conditioning program for say you know a group of recruits and see if they're less likely to get injured but it was just such an old school system that it was too hard to try and change And so over time, I got a bit frustrated that um, we were just civilians who didn't have much say over the the in-uniform army people. And so, yeah, I decided to, oh, for different reasons, I decided to leave. But then I kept locuming for them. So I travelled around Australia working at different bases. Um, So Townsville, WA, all around Victoria, Darwin. Just kept my foot in that door because I thought it was a really good Um, door to leave open just because of how much injury costs the defense force how most of its lower limb how no one really is looking into preventing it Mm. Um, but then yeah I sort of didn't really know what to do so I contacted um, Deacon Nuni and one of the physios there Jason Bonacci and tried to get involved in the um, 3D running biomechanics lab there And so sort of started to do a little bit of that, a little bit of research assistant stuff with him. And then COVID happened and that sort of shut down. Um, And I decided to start working for myself, was renting out of a couple of people's gyms, just trying to do all active strength rehab um, programs. And then, yeah, after about a year of COVID, I was sick of working a couple of days a week out of someone's gym and then just a space came up and it was, um, yeah, pretty cool space and um, a sub-lease off someone else's lease. So it was kind of low risk. If I didn't like it, it was only for a year. And so that was about 10 months ago. And so now set up a bit of a gym rehab space, um, kind of out of someone else's space. And I'm doing, yeah, strength and conditioning rehab stuff, mainly lower limb. Um, but I've, I've, over time, I've, bought some force plates from a company called strength by numbers and i've actually come up with kind of my own lower limb injury screen um and so hopefully that goal of maybe i don't know doing some research maybe going back to defense and saying hey here's a prevention injury screen Mm. we can see if we can predict these injuries 
Um, so it's always been in the back of my mind, like the research at Deakin Uni, the running biomechanics lab, um, and keep, I still do locum work for defence. So now and then do a week here and there in Darwin or Townsville. Um, but yeah, it's a bit harder having your own clinic. But mm. yeah, I try and run my clinic quite um, like automated, like try and run most online online bookings and um, certainly don't try and see that many people a week. Like I just want to try and um, have it quite niche and just see what I want to see, do what I want to do. And then, yeah, focus a little bit on some online teaching and online programs as well. Mm, that's awesome. That's incredible. That's super interesting. Um, so I'm a new grad physio actually at the moment and it's oh, cool. so interesting hearing um, your experience in the different sort of areas you've worked in because it's certainly something that, and I've, I guess I've thought about for a long time, but isn't it frustrating that people always come like when they're injured? And of course, like that's when they're going to come because mm. of course that's when you see a physio, but yeah. um, there's so many things that people can do. And yeah, I always just try and encourage patients to like keep going with the things that they're doing. Yeah. But imagine if they came three weeks before. I know it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. Like yeah. that sounds so silly, but um, it's so cool that, you know, your niche is, Obviously, I mean, I, I don't know exactly your caseload, but I guess you're obviously you're seeing people who have got injuries, but your focus on preventative health and your interest in that, you're now actually able to turn into the sort of patients you see, which is, is so yeah. cool. I feel like yeah. that's really making the difference, right? Like, mm. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, it's funny like that. I think it requires a bit of a mindset change. And after mm. I did my strength and conditioning masters, I just realised like, how important strength is and how important mm. it is for bone health and tendon and muscle and um, falls prevention. And like, mm. it's, it's something that I'm pretty passionate about educating other practitioners about and also like GPs, because if mm. we understood how important resistance training is for the musculoskeletal system, like everyone would do it. Um, but there's still this kind of barrier to it in that, oh, it's dangerous, so I don't want to lift weights or I'm too old to do that, I just can do Pilates. So mm. it's like there needs to be a massive change in mentality because that's how to reduce injury risk, that's how mm. to keep people moving longer, that's how to reduce surgeries. Um, and I think if that changed over time, people would do preventative stuff because they're like, oh, I can't afford not to mm. keep going to the gym. Yeah, it's such a shame that there is not that awareness there and, and it is so like unknown still or there is still that fear about it. But I guess it's exciting at the same time because we can kind of be part of that change and um, hopefully in a few years or 10, 20 years, it's just going to be the norm. Like surely, yeah, as you said, everyone's just going to be in the gym or doing some form mm. of strength training because there's just no reason not to do it. Like everyone should, mm. no matter what yeah. your goal is or whatever you're going through. I think, yeah, it just yeah. needs to be an essential part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm, That's cool. I think, yeah, it's really interesting to see that journey because I think it would have been quite easy for you to continue just doing the passive treatment and just keeping people coming back in and just making them feel better on the day. Like they might walk out feeling good, but I think you've obviously got quite a clear conscience and you know that there's maybe a better way to do things. So you've obviously, you know, stuck to your guns and done the work to get out and do your own thing and, and make that change. Whereas I feel like a lot of people would have just kind of cruised along and kept doing those passive treatments, even if yeah. they knew it wasn't the best option. I think the thing for me is like, 
no matter what job you do, what you got to do is look at the people who are senior to you and ask yourself if you want to be doing what they're doing in 10, 20 years' time. Mm. Um, and I just looked at the people above me and I looked how lazy they were fine <laughs> at their job, but how lazy they got. They'd, they hadn't mm. learned a new thing in five or 10 years. Um, it was low stress, but it wasn't stimulating and they just mm. kind of got through the day. And that's probably fine like if you have a different focus, like if you have family or that sort of thing. Work's not as big a part of your life. But I just thought, do I want to be like them? And if I do, I just need to stay here and do what I want to do and work's just this kind of thing on the side. Um, or do you want to be challenged and do you want to try and continue to learn? Um, and that's where you've just got to, yeah, make the decision to leave a place when you stop mm. learning. Um, and even if it's hard or even if it's like maybe you don't get paid enough, paid as much in another job, but, yeah, it's the only real way to keep staying motivated and learning mm. all the time, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's really good advice. I mean, I think within any field, like continued education is so important um, and even like external to work, like it's important to keep learning. Like it's important for our mm. brain, just like we challenge ourselves physically, we should be challenged mentally and also just, you know, for job satisfaction. So, yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, yeah. I think we can speak about this sort of stuff about um, mm. mentality of work and, you know, the why behind all these sorts of things, but so if now we're really keen to chat about the Achilles because we know that it is such a big topic for runners and um, something that a lot of people find very annoying and frustrating is dealing with their Achilles issues, um, whatever that may be. And uh, particularly as we get older as well, it seems to be another common issue. It's just that Achilles is back again. Um, so uh, could you give us a bit of a rundown just first? What is the Achilles? Um, where is yeah. it? What does it do? Yeah. What sort of yeah. tissue is it? Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> so the Achilles is on the back of the calf. So it's actually a tendon. Yeah. Um, so a tendon attaches muscle to bone. So it attaches the calf muscle into the heel, so into the calcaneus. Um, and so the main role of tendons is actually to work like a spring. So they basically store and release elastic energy. Um, but it's, yeah, it's part of the calf complex. So you could almost say, it is your calf. So it's that continuation of you've got two calf muscles. So we've got on the surface gastrocnemius um, and that's got two heads. So one on the inside, one on the outside. And then we've got soleus, which is our deeper calf muscle. So those muscle fibers continue in, become the Achilles and yeah, that attaches into the heel. Um, so yeah, it's made up of what's called collagen fibers and it is prone to injury so basically tendons in comparison to muscles so muscles when we exercise or strengthen a muscle muscles will adapt and they'll adapt by increasing in size so they'll what we call hypertrophy basically because muscles have good blood supply they'll hypertrophy a lot quicker and change a lot quicker and adapt a lot quicker than a tendon so when we load say the calf or when we do a calf exercise, calf strength exercise, we're loading the calf, but also the Achilles as well. But the calf, the actual muscle will change its structure and get bigger or stronger a lot quicker than the Achilles. Um, so the Achilles or any tendon is just basically stubborn. So it just takes a long time to 
for our body or brain to be convinced that we need to adapt or strengthen or change the structure of that tendon. Um, but over time, it does change its structure. So basically, yeah, the best thing we can do with our Achilles tendon is to load it to keep it as strong or as springy as possible. Um, because when we run, we're actually going to be putting load through it. And so in the gym, if we can um, keep that Achilles nice and strong and get it used to being loaded, it's going to have a better ability to handle the loads that we want to put on it for running. Um, and that's where, yeah, that sort of resistance training, gym training exercise is so important because we can prepare our body or prepare our calf or prepare our Achilles for the activities of life that we want to um, do basically. Mm, wow. Okay. There is quite a lot to it then. Um, if we can break it down a little bit, if you can explain what you mean by the Achilles spring. So I guess people can imagine maybe an elastic band or you might have a bit better uh, visual for people, but what does that actually mean? What's actually going on within the tissue for it to be a spring? Um, so basically, yeah, any tendon when it's put under load, uh, when, it's, when it's taken through stretch, Basically, it stores what's called elastic energy. So the tendon almost works like an elastic band. So say when we're running, we hit the ground and then we move our body mass over our lower limb. Basically, we're putting the Achilles tendon on stretch for that first half of stance phase. And this is pulling that elastic band back. So it's um, storing that elastic energy within the tendon. And then as we then progress forward into propulsion, so into like toe off for running, we're releasing that elastic energy. So sort of letting go of that um, elastic energy, which helps improve um, our efficiency of running because we're using this yeah, really vital elastic energy. So it's basically a rubber band or a spring that stores and releases elastic energy, um, which is then available for us for push off um for running or for jumping or for changing direction mm. yeah wow yeah so um i guess you know speaking about muscles we talk about they hypertrophy so they get bigger um yeah. when we actually train a tendon um if it's not getting bigger is it just becoming more efficient how is it actually changing mm. yeah so it'll still change like it might become stiffer yeah um and we might just improve its ability to store and release that elastic mm. energy. So we're almost yeah. sort of um, waking the Achilles up, you could say, to be able to utilise that stored elastic energy. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we can change its structure. We can make it more resilient to handling loads, but we can also improve what's called its plyometric ability. So plyometric ability being that springiness, that elastic energy um storage and release capacity yeah awesome it's so good to differentiate that because i think a lot of people just assume that it's like part of a muscle right because it's, it's just the achilles um, yeah. and i guess obviously it attaches to our calves um so speaking of the calves how important are the calves to our achilles like you said that you can sort of consider it part of the calf complex but how important actually is the gastrox and the soleus to the achilles yeah, massive. So again, like you can't strengthen your calf, well, that I know of, <laughs> without strengthening your Achilles. Yeah. But yeah. if you have a weaker calf, then a weak calf just basically fatigues quicker. 
So you put load on it and load on it means exercising. If it can't handle the load, it's going to fatigue. And when it fatigues, we have no choice but to put load somewhere else. And so that could be, we might shift load up towards the knee. We might ask our knee, our quad or our hamstring to do more. We might ask our hip to do more. So our body's really smart, but we also might ask our Achilles tendon to do a lot more as well. So if we don't have that muscular strength in the calf, maybe we start to utilize the Achilles a lot more. And if the Achilles can't handle that increase in demand, it's going to start to break down and that breakdown can lead to overload. And when an Achilles tendon gets overloaded, it can result in what's called a tendinopathy, which is basically just an overloaded tendon, which can cause pain, can cause stiffness, tightness. Having a strong calf improves the capacity of the calf to start to give us power or to absorb shock for us, which can unload areas elsewhere. So if someone has knee pain, it still makes sense to strengthen the calf so the calf can improve, can maybe distribute load away from the knee. If someone has Achilles soreness, like we want to treat the Achilles, but you also want to improve the ability of the calf to handle more load. So it's basically just, yeah, improving that ability to potentially take pressure or load off the Achilles. So you want kind of a, you want a strong, what we call musculotendon unit. Um, So it's, that's calf muscle and Achilles. And the Achilles, we more want to be springy, We want it to have that what's called plyometric ability so it can store and release elastic energy. But the calf, we want to be quite strong and strong so it can, one, absorb shock for us through mainly through the soleus muscle, but also, two, so it can apply force into the ground um, for propulsion or for power. So we definitely need both. So someone might, yeah, be missing out if they just do calf strength exercises Mm. but don't really train the spring. But if someone's really springy, well, you can't really be springy without being strong. So it's catch 22. So if someone goes out and tries these, um, any sort of plyometric exercise and they're not strong, then they, one, either won't be able to execute properly and aren't training springiness or plyometric or two, they'll just get injured. Mm. So it's almost like, yeah, you have to be smart about it where you need to be doing both, but one can't really exist without the other almost. Gosh, so interesting. Yeah. Slope and I always just say like, just look, if anything's better than nothing, do calf raises, do strength, get in the yeah. gym, lift weights, yeah. which is obviously still like, of course, just Absolutely. like getting anything's better than nothing, especially most runners don't do any strength. But um, yeah, there's probably so many people who are just doing their calf raises. And I mean, they're probably doing like 30, like, body weight reps like double leg yeah which you know awesome again better than nothing but yeah 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 it's just there's, there's so many more parts to it isn't it it's interesting yeah, how much attention we pay to our like running training program like we've got like a 70 percent heart rate we've got 80 percent. like you do all these different parts but you know like training strength has got to have that too like uh, you know yeah. everything you just said we've also got to realize that the whole lower limb is one unit so it's mm. interacting with the ground as well so if someone doesn't have, um, just say, strength through their thigh, so quad strength, then their whole lower limb is going to suffer as well if they don't have mm-hmm. hamstring strength. So it's one unit. You can't really mm-hmm. separate it into, oh, I've just got this Achilles mm-hmm. issue. I just need to strengthen the Achilles. But mm-hmm. what happened to the rest of the leg that interacted with the ground and with gravity? So it's about looking at something as if someone has a lower limb injury, 
they've got an injury of their leg. And so we need to try and strengthen or rehab their leg. And so if someone is doing a running strength program, you probably want a full lower limb strength program, not just like calf or that sort of thing. But yeah, if, if there's like one or two bang for buck exercises that someone's only going to do, probably a calf raise would be great. Um, but it's trying not to forget about all the other muscles involved mm. in that, what we call like lower limb spring. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that strength and obviously plyometric and power is really important. What we often hear is that people's calves are tight. And I know you did a post on this the other day about having cut tight calves and what that actually means or what contributes to that. But is flexibility at all relevant here? Is range of motion important or should we just be spend- spending all our time getting stronger and uh, more powerful? I think it depends, which is a bit of a <laughs> always, yeah. But like a runner, a runner doesn't just run. Like they don't run twenty four seven. They probably want to be able to do other stuff. They probably want to be able to hike, you know, squat. These are sort of other things. So something like ankle dorsiflexion range, which is being able to get your shin over your toe, is not necessarily important for running, but it's pretty important for life. Um, so you do need that range. Otherwise you're going to have to compensate on squatting on, you know, walking up or down the hill. Um, but for running itself, stretching and improving range of motion is only important probably in a couple of joints. And one of those is having enough movement in the hip so you can get the leg behind you without having to compensate. Um, we want to be able to have a big toe that can extend. So, cause that's the last structure that leaves the ground with a running stride. So if someone lacks that or has a bit of a bunion or a big toe that angles in, they might not be able to get into a great position at push off. And another one may or may not be ankle dorsiflexion. So that being, um, you know, tightness in the calf can prevent that, but it's probably not worth spending heaps of time stretching, um, when you can strengthen it and you can even do something called eccentric strength. So even like calf raises off a step. So when we strengthen a muscle eccentrically, basically we're strengthening it into a lengthened position. And so the research shows that eccentric strength can improve flexibility just as much as static stretching. Mm. So you may as well strengthen through a lengthened position because you'll not only get more length, but you'll get more strength as well. Whereas if you static static stretch, you might get some length um, in that muscle group if you need it, but you're not going to be loading it. You're not getting strength as well. So I think, yeah, exercises where you're loading a muscle group through range, like into a lengthened position, is going to be best, um, again, like bang for buck for, yeah, cool. for those two um, factors. Yeah, I think that's a great tip, something that people can take away and use with their training. Um, You've mentioned quite a lot about loading the Achilles. So we know that obviously going for a run loads the Achilles, strength training does, walking, basically anything you do. How do these loads vary? Like can someone just do a lot of really hard running and will their calves and Achilles get stronger? Or can we kind of break down how the different loads vary and how, um, I guess, training in the gym is different and, and beneficial in a different way to just running? Yeah. Okay. So no matter what activity um, anyone is doing, the body will adapt. So like if someone, um, just say someone takes up barefoot running, which Mm. when we barefoot run, we're going to increase load through the calf and Achilles. We're going to more likely land midfoot. It's just going to change the loads. 
So if someone did that and they just went all out and started from nowhere, they will probably overload their calf or Achilles and end up injured because the body's not adapted to that amount of load. But if someone went out and slowly started barefoot running and increased it over time, so over a few months, what the body would do would be it would adapt to those loads and it would get stronger and it could handle that increasing load. Um, so basically you can strengthen your calf and Achilles by progressively loading it and running could do that potentially. Um, and you could just slowly increase the amount you're doing, whether that's like, you know, longer distances or uphills, whatnot. Um, and your calf and Achilles will get stronger to a point, but you can also use a bit of a, um, cheat in that you can go to the gym and instead of having to spend ages slowly increasing your load if you can just add load to a bar you can drastically improve your load capacity of your calf and achilles by in a lot quicker time by doing some strength training so basically no matter who it is no matter um, what they want to do in life, the gym basically prepares your body for life. And so you want to use it as an adjunct to what you want to do. So it's not that, oh, you're there um, to go to the gym. It's you're in the gym if you're a runner to try and improve your ability to run. And so you do that by increasing the ability of your tissues or your musculoskeletal system or your bone or your tendons to handle running loads. So when you run, you can run more without getting injured because you can again do that with running but it just takes a really long time to slowly progressively adapt to the body um and yeah why wouldn't you use the gym to um add to that ability and decrease injury risk improve the ability to um improve performance potentially like improve like the efficiency or economy of running as well all by doing a few exercises with load um of that lower limb does that mm. answer your question yeah definitely i think that makes it really clear for people because i think that's just another misconception with with um any of this sort of stuff people just assume that they can run uphill and they'll get mm. strong and mm. as you just said you probably could do that but i think your risk of injury is so much higher right like it's a i guess the demand is different and it's a lot more repetitive so then the chance of overuse is probably higher than if you were just to go and do a couple of reps of an exercise at a heavier load um, so I think it's nice to kind of separate those two things and, and yeah, explain that it is a more efficient way to do it. And there are so many benefits. Like we're going to probably say the whole time through this episode, like everyone should just be doing it regardless, but yeah, I think it's nice to know that, um, both have their place, but if we can kind yeah. of incorporate, incorporate all of it, um, you'll probably get yeah, more out of sure. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's just so much about load, which, again, mm. I'm so used to that word that, like, I know what it means. But for someone that doesn't mm. know what it means, it just means the amount of exercise your body is used to. Um, your body can get used to anything provided it's implemented in a slow, progressive manner. Mm. Um, but you can also improve the ability um, you have your body to handle anything as well, make it more resilient to whatever you want to throw at it with life mm. by getting it in the gym. Mm. I think that's such a good way of looking at it too because, again, as you said, you know, it's a term that probably the three of us use every single day, but um, f- for a lot of runners, they like they just think of the kilometres per week. Um, 
and maybe not have like a real understanding of what it sort of means and what their tissue tolerance is. But um, thinking about the gym as a tool to prepare yourself to be able to do more running or run faster or prevent injury, et cetera, ra- et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> rather than thinking about it as like, oh, I've got this injury, I have to go to the gym and like do my yeah. exercises. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, this is going to allow you to do more, whatever more looks like for you, whatever your goal is. Um, mm. And which is so exciting. Like surely that's such such an exciting and powerful hack maybe if we want to think of it as like a hack yeah yeah Uh, yeah. Yeah. so what do you think of the things that like runners are commonly doing wrong then with the Achilles I mean we sort of touched on before like thinking that we just need to stretch it and you know you're suggesting like get in the gym and try some eccentric strength um and there's probably a million other suggestions but what do you think are the main things that sort of normally go wrong for runners and their Achilles so number one would probably just be the simplest one, the load. Mm, so loading yeah. too much too quickly or changing yeah. something um, too quickly. Um, and so whether that's, yeah, just literally going from like a more maximalist shoe to a minimalist shoe, which will load the calf and Achilles more or introducing another session or just more load than their body's used to. So that will... The, yeah, the research is pretty strong to show that if you're the amount of load or workload you've done in the last seven days, if that's a fair bit higher than what you've been used to in the last month, then your risk of injury drastically increases. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's the biggest cause of injury. So just a spike in your training load yeah. um, and a spike in load, yeah, can look at can be from a change in your load so a change in your shoe or um which has changed the load around your body or just a change in your actual training workload as well um other yeah reasons would be just not training properly in the gym i would say um and so Basically, yeah, especially if someone's running a lot of kilometers, then they need to be doing that calf strength work so and loading it as well. Um, and hopefully some sort of progressive loading. So again, your body will adapt to whatever it's used to. And it's the first key principle of strength and conditioning. And so if you continue in the gym to do the same exercise with the same amount of load and don't change and progress it over time, your body just gets quite bored. And so there's no stimulation to create more um, more muscle or more mm. strength or more force capacity within that muscle group. So probably not slowly increasing over time is something else that you'd see. Um, and then, yeah, I guess if someone is motivated, it's just failing to neglect the other muscle groups and probably being too wary of like weighted barbell um, squats, lunges, deadlifts as well. So viewing again that whole lower limb. So if, say, someone's had an Achilles um, overload, so, yeah, we can definitely look at load at the start, but it's also a bit of a failure of the whole leg to handle running loads. And sometimes where the source of pain or injury is just the end result of a leg that's not, Um, functioning effectively or efficiently so viewing an injury as in let's rehab the whole lower limb as well 
Um, so someone has that Achilles overload and they're a keen runner and they're motivated, their rehab program should, probably should include some quad strength, some glute strength, some hamstring strength, some Achilles spring over time. Um, because if someone has that Achilles tendon injury and they just treat it as a pure Achilles tendon issue and they load the Achilles and get it stronger and stronger and stronger, it might miss the fact that that Achilles tendon was trying to do too much to compensate for weakness in the quad. And so if mm -hmm. we don't rehab that and get that whole lower leg stronger, yeah, you've improved the Achilles ability to handle loads, but you've missed the fact that the quad's super weak and the Achilles has been asked to do way too much. Mm. Um, so it's just kind of looking at injury a bit more like that. At, um, yeah, the looking at it not as an isolated, this is just an ankle or Achilles injury, but this is a whole lower limb injury. And it's the Achilles or the ankle is just a piece in the puzzle of a, of a whole lower limb or a whole body. Um, and trying to think of it like that. Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense, isn't it? Like everything's connected. So why would just looking at one part, um, yeah. like I think I think that will make logically sense to just about anyone listening. Um, do you think then the sort of people who um, just sort of get this recurrent Achilles um, injuries or pain are then actually often the people that are getting other injuries all up that limb too? Sometimes, but what you what I sometimes see is like someone who's had, I don't know, just maybe like an ACL reconstruction two mm -hmm. years ago and they come in with Achilles issue or someone who's had, and so potentially they just never, you know, maybe they skipped some of the rehab for that ACL reconstruction. So they're just left with a leg that's got 75% as much strength and power as the other side. And so, again, somewhere in the chain, kinetic chain will break down along the line if you increase the loads up to that point. You know, they'll fix the Achilles, but something else will pop up somewhere else. Thinking about load, and this is, I try and treat injury. I don't know if this would be confusing for your listeners, but I just think of injury in terms of two ways or injury rehab. So it's either there's two options to rehab an injury and that's either we improve the capacity of the tissue. So the tissue that's overloaded or injured to handle load. So that would be, we improve the Achilles tendon, its capacity to handle load. So we strengthen it, or we try and redistribute load somewhere else in the body. And that can look different for different injuries. So an Achilles tendon um, that's, say is getting overloaded but that person's a real midfoot striker or forefoot striker a way of redistributing load temporarily might be okay let's get them in a shoe with a higher heel toe change because immediately that'll shift a bit of load away from the calf and achilles or another way of shifting load is to improve the strength of the quad because a quad that's stronger can shift load or can handle more load and take load from the achilles as well so lower limb injury rehab it's quite simple when you put it like that. It improves capacity of that tissue to handle load or redistribute load elsewhere um, or a bit of a combo of both. And a lot of injuries fall somewhere on that spectrum, some more towards just like the Achilles was super weak. It, it got overloaded. We're just treating this. Let's get super strong. Okay, that's fine. But other injuries, the Achilles is overloaded. It's trying to do way too much because the rest of the lower limb is super weak. The calf's weak, the quad's weak. 
um, the hips where you just generally decondition lower limb from a previous injury. And so it doesn't make sense just to strengthen and load a tissue or a Achilles that's already been asked to do too much. You need to try and get everything else to catch up, help out and share the load around. Um, yeah, so it can be a bit of both. Mm, I think that's so good to know because I feel like that second option where, yeah, as you said, the Achilles is working really hard and there may be something else that isn't doing as much work is probably what happens when um, a lot of people who seem to have Achilles issues, they get it once and then they just keep getting it, keeps coming back. And potentially they're doing all of the calf strength work. Maybe they're doing heap of plyometrics, but there might be something else going on, like their quads weak or whatever it is. And maybe they haven't had the whole chain looked at, or they haven't been there. They haven't had their gait analysis looked at or anything like that. So I feel like they're treating that area, that isolated area and getting that really strong, but maybe that's not the issue. So I think it's really nice for people to know that, yeah, it might be worth looking further up the chain. And in terms of if people are maybe wondering whether they've got an Achilles issue or, um, yeah, they're getting a little bit, of, little bit of pain down their lower limb, I think it tends to be a relatively uh, common sensation or, or a pretty obvious um, presentation. But are there things that people should be looking out for if they're getting some pain down towards their calf or their ankle? Is it, is it always a really clear sign or is there often um, maybe some other things to look out for? So with the Achilles, generally there's two, two, like to put it simply, two spots that can hurt, I guess. So you've got a mid-portion Achilles, which is pretty much bang direct over where the Achilles is. And that'll be pretty localized. Like it doesn't usually refer down further. It's usually not as much up in the calf. It's usually pretty much over that middle. And we call that a mid-portional Achilles overload. Um, but you can also get an Achilles issue down where it attaches into the bone. So basically we call this an insertional Achilles um, overload or tendinopathy. And so that'll be a bit different. So that'll be sore right down on the bony attachment. And that sometimes needs to be treated a little bit differently than one within the mid portion. But generally it's pretty localized to either one of those two spots. If it's sort of shooting or if it's in the ankle or under the heel, um, or if it's more really like, yeah, under that surface of the heel or on the inside of the foot, it's probably not an Achilles issue. Um, usually it's those two sort of spots. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, that's pretty clear. Um, and how would the, I guess, treatment differ between those two areas? Yeah. So with the one that, is more in the heel. Usually that's aggravated by positions of what we call ankle dorsiflexion. So when the shin travels over the toe. Um, so for that person, you wanna take out stretching. So those knee over toe type soleus stretches, often you wanna give them a bit of a heel lift to take them out of that position. Cause when they go into that position, they actually get, um, the tendon can get a bit compressed on the bone as it gets stretched into that, as that shin goes over the toe. Um, and that makes it worse. So it almost compresses in there and it irritates it and starts to stir it up. So for them, you're really not gonna want them to do calf raises off a step because it'll put them into that compression impingement type zone. Um, but yeah, you want for them take out stretching, sometimes give them a bit more of a heel lift and then don't do sort of stretches into that, into that range. Um, for the mid portion, when it's more sore in the middle belly of the Achilles, um, you don't have those kind of precautions. And so you're just going to treat that more 
by loading it, by progressively strengthening it, um, by progressively increasing, you know, maybe that's like a walk run program, um, just slow progressive overload, I would say, getting back towards, so starting with that, building a bit of muscle and strength and then building that little bit of sort of spring and power as they've built that muscle strength over time as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for a runner at home um, or a listener, um, are there any sort of things that we can do just, you know, a bit of a self-assessment to sort of like figure out, okay, I need to go and see someone to get some help or um, yeah. you've spoken a bit about ankle dorsiflexion. Should people be checking their range or feeling along their Achilles? Um, or maybe there's some things that we can do to sort of test um, am I at risk, you know, like what's my power like in that Achilles? How can it actually transfer energy? Yeah. So if anyone has Achilles soreness, then um, basically to work out how bad it is, I'll just get someone to try and hop. So if someone can mm. hop for about 30 seconds without much pain, then you're probably dealing with a tendon that's not too stirred up or irritable. Um, but if someone can't hop, like hopping, running is a series of single leg hops from one side to the other. And so hopping is very similar in terms of loads on the Achilles to running. So if you can't hop, if it's sore, then probably can't run. <laughs> yeah. But that's sure. probably a quick test of how irritable someone is, um, mm. how stirred up it is and how they shouldn't be pushing hopping and plyometrics if, if it's sore to hop. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing with Achilles is it's not always we don't really want to judge how bad the injury is based on if an exercise or running is sore at the time. It's how it feels afterwards in the next day. So we call that mm. a latent response to load or to exercise. Um, so if someone's Achilles feels great running, but then the next day they're hobbling, then they're doing mm. far too much. Their Achilles feels a tiny bit niggly running. And then the next day it's hundred percent fine that night. It's fine. It's probably a green light to slowly up the loads. So that's a bit of a self-test as well, um, that latent response or even latent response to the plyometric or the spring or gym strength exercises. Um, it's much better, pretty much any injury, it's much better to judge it how it feels the next day than how it feels mm. at the time. Um, other tests like single leg calf strength endurance is a pretty good test. So with good um, quality, trying to raise up and down slowly on a single leg, maybe aiming for, depends on, gender and age but maybe like 30 to 35 quality reps for a runner um if someone can't do that they probably don't have that first like strength endurance of the calf to progress to springy plyometric exercises mm. or is that single a- leg sir is that single leg you're talking about yeah single and leg. off a step nah just off flat yeah, okay. so high on the toes, weight bearings with the big toe. Um, mm. Often you'll find someone with an Achilles, history of Achilles tendon issues has severely reduced strength endurance just on that simple test. Mm. And so that would be their first point of call, just get that strength endurance up because you're not going to be able to do effective hopping and that sort of thing if you don't have any strength there first. Um, other tests, so often I'll look at, what's called a drop jump to see how springy someone is. And basically this is getting about a 30 to 60 centimetre step and then just stepping or jumping down and springing up as quick, as high and as quick as you can. 
Um, and the goal of this test or exercise is to be able to jump high while spending very minimal time on the ground. If someone has a good jump height with minimal ground contact time, they're probably very springy in their Achilles tendon. And a really simple way to look at someone is if they step down, can they spring back up without their heels hitting the ground? So if they step down, their heels hit the ground, they bent their knees a lot to spring back up, then they're probably their ground contact time was probably too long and they're probably not very springy. They're not kind of jumping from their Achilles tendon or springing from the Achilles tendon. Um, and it's, we call that reactive strength, which is how springy is your, is your Achilles tendon. So reactive strength could be defined as assessing the springiness of someone's Achilles tendon. Um, and it can sort of simply be looked at by, yeah, that simple test. Can someone step off a 30 to 60 centimetre step and then spring up as quick as possible without the heels hitting and without the knees bending excessively as well? Mm. And is that something you would measure by, like, taking a video and putting it in slow-mo and watching, yeah. or do you actually measure the jump height? Are they reaching to something? How do you actually um, assess that? So there's different ways. So you can use like ground contact mats or force yeah. plates, which, yeah. which actually measure how long someone was on the ground and how high they jumped as well. So that's the two variables are how high did someone jump and how long did it take them to produce that jump? So mm. to be really plyometric, to be really springy, someone will be able to spend very little time on the ground but be able to jump very, very high. For someone who's not very springy, they'll spend a long time on the ground and they won't jump high at all. Or they'll spend a long time. They might jump high, but it took them a long time to jump. So they're just, they might be powerful, but they're not springy. So they're not using their tendons. Do you find with that assessment too, is part of that um, a skill component or a learning component? Like if you watch yeah. someone jump and then explain to them, um, try and not bend your knees so much, try not to let your heels come down. Do you think they can then improve that quickly or is it yeah, a matter sure. of tra training yeah. that? Yeah, it's it's um, definitely like art and science. So mm. if someone, you sometimes you're just looking at, has, anyone, has someone done this before? If not, you're just looking at how coordinated they are. In general, you might give them that as an exercise so that they get better at it and then you'll get a true measure because it's actually... It's not that easy to do in terms of mm. most people are pretty unco with it anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, so you've got to work out if you're just looking at someone who's never done a, a drop jump or if you're looking at someone who's actually not springy. Yeah, definitely. And so that drop jump you obviously use as an assessment, um, but it sounds like you may program that for people as well. Can we talk a little bit about how you kind of introduce plyometric training when that comes into play for people is that something that you start with or do you build up a strength base first and how that sort of looks for people yeah i think it depends if they're injured or not so if someone's injured say with an achilles overload if you introduce hopping then it's huge loads on the achilles yeah um so that would be done really progressively but yeah generally you want to have some base strength first because if you don't have base strength, then you're not going to be able to deal with gravity well. And to be able to run and do plyometrics, you have to really be able to overcome gravity well and quickly. Um, so you want base strength in the calf quad, just whole lower limb. 
Um, but in terms of introducing plyometrics, you might start, I don't have an exact uh, process to it, but you're probably going to start more double leg first, which might be like a like pogo sort of jump where you're jumping with both feet, just trying to jump from the ankles, trying to go toes up in the air and hit down into the ground. Um, and then you might progress that to like pogos forward or pogos over hurdles. Um, which might then go towards like that drop jump. And then you might start progressing it to single leg, which might be hopping. But again, if someone's injured or if someone's not very skilled at hopping and it doesn't look that coordinated, you might start with like a band assisted hop. So where they're taking a bit of their body weight through a strong resistance band or power band, and they're starting to learn how to hit down with the hopping basically you're reducing the load on the Achilles because their arms are taking some of the load as well. So they can start to slowly load the Achilles, slowly get that plyometric, but again, without fully hopping. Um, and then you might progress that towards more hopping, um, which then could change towards like forward hops or sideways hops. But the key for all these, the only, the only reason for doing plyometric exercises is to learn how to have short ground contact time. So if someone's doing plyometrics, but they, they hop and they spend a long time back <laughs> on the ground for the next hop, it's not a plyometric. Like it's just, it's just training, it's training something else. It's just hundred percent not a plyometric because <laughs> that, that elastic energy in the tendon is only available for us for such a short period of time that ground contact time, the amount of time someone spends on the ground massively matters um, and you're not training the springiness, the elastic energy, the plyometric ability if someone's just like plonking on the ground, getting back up. So mm. that's probably a key misconception I'd say. Mm. It's fine to train that stuff, but they're training something else. They're training a different attribute, probably more what we call muscular power. It's not training the Achilles and that spring. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. Um, so what about, um, grabbing the skipping rope out? I feel like that's a bit yeah, of a, sure. um, old yeah. sort of like runners at home gym program <laughs> yeah. or like warm up for your run and get the skipping yeah. rope out. Is that actually something that you recommend yeah, definitely. to patients? Yeah. I'm pretty uncut skipping. So I just don't <laughs> do it because I'm don't demonstrate it well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, that's the same sort of thing. Um, yeah. that's probably the simplest, like, plyometric I guess you could say mm. um and yeah you're probably training that coordination you're probably training that elastic energy as well even progressing to single leg skipping um mm. is pretty much the same as just practicing single leg hopping but you will mm. like if someone's doing it well you'll help fatigue really quickly mm. like your Achilles can only handle a certain amount of load if it's performing it well Mm. um and so if someone's doing single leg skipping for two minutes and they've probably again they're probably not training that tendon spring as much you don't want and you don't want that many contacts like that'll that might start to lead to an overload mm. um so you got to sort of be careful with introducing that stuff skip my way into a tendonopathy a few years ago <laughs> really easy. Have, um, was that lockdown yeah i was doing lockdown. there's nothing else Actually, to do Oh, no, it wasn't actually during lockdown. I just skipped. It was my study break. And yeah. um, it's so much fun. I love skipping. But yeah. I've honestly been a bit scared of it since. Like, yeah. I very rarely do it because I, I think it's quite fun. And I just, like, 
you know, I do like my single leg and then like go between side to side and it was so much fun. And um, yeah, definitely was working, but <laughs> a bit too much, I think. Yeah. Well, you just introduced something that your Achilles, was it your Achilles tendon? Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 You just introduced something that your Achilles tendon wasn't quite used to yet. Yeah. Mm. And so yeah. it, um, yeah, basically resulted in an overload because yeah. you didn't get, yes. you, and none of us do, like as if you're going to be like, oh, I'll do a 12-week skipping program to build oh up <laughs> tissue tolerance. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. But, um, yeah, I guess anyone who has a skipping rope, definitely get it out, but maybe yeah, in a yeah. Yeah, moderated. Slowly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, with plyometrics, with Achilles tendon training, um, plyometrics can be a part of the strength program and it might just be the first five minutes so when someone's mm. freshest and but it'll be uh, yeah few exercises like one or two exercises um, a focus on form a focus on short ground contact times but you're not trying to fatigue anything like you're really trying to you're trying to train what's called the central nervous system rather than create mm. fatigue from it yeah so it's it's it is that skill it's kind of skill training so mm. yeah so it's something we should keep relatively short and sweet then is there a particular Very. range people should be looking at obviously it's going to vary um, but i used to i usually just introduce like two sets of say 20 contacts doing some assisted hopping it'll be a set of 20 and tr- really trying to get that form and then they'll rest for a minute or two another set mm. of 20 um, same with like a pogo jump. So you're just like, you're just trying to get that, dip their toe in the water for trying to train that spring without overloading, without changing it or progressing it too much and without trying to make it really hard. Like it shouldn't be, it should be hard with a simple exercise. Like a single leg hop, single leg skipping should be super hard if it's done well. Like you don't need to progress to anything too much crazy in that. I think that should be music to any runner's ears, right? Because people always fear that it's going to take up too much time. But it really, like from what you've just said, it, it's it's more it's more like skill training, at least this part of it. Obviously, you know, the getting in the gym and lifting the weights is really great too. But um, from what you've just said, it doesn't actually have to take up you know two hours in the morning at the gym you could probably just do it at home absolutely yeah for sure and you can actually (laughs) this is not a plug but just released a four-week at home beginner run strength program and it's all at home amazing it's like most of this stuff can definitely be done at home and you can manipulate the exercise to make it single leg or to increase the depth of your squad or to you know, put on a backpack for some single leg calf raises. But yeah, yeah most staff, especially if someone doesn't do anything, can be done at home at least for like a period of time until we mm. get to a point where it's like, ah, oh, I can't progress this anymore without adding weight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can be very creative with body weight and body mm. weight doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be able to create fatigue. So to create the changes you want in the tendons, muscles, bones, all we need to be doing is creating some fatigue, not, not, on the, not on the Achilles exercises, but creating some fatigue. And that can often be done with body weight, but some exercises probably over time need load as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, there's certainly. so much you can manipulate, right? Like at home, yeah. I guess there's such a variety because if you've got someone, um, I don't know, doing 20 really fast sit-to-stands, 
maybe if they're quite strong, they're not going to feel anything. But if you slowed down the tempo, made them go a little bit deeper, like there's Mm. so many subtle changes you can make to actually make things quite challenging Um, or single leg, like there's so many variables. But I feel like people often just get on YouTube and watch this sort of hit workout and just jumping around (laughs) the the lounge room. skater hops. It's not the same. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. All that sort of plyometric stuff, which is just them jumping around for half an hour. It's just a different stimulus. Like, yeah, you might get your heart rate up, but it's just not what we're looking for. So Mm. I think having that distinction is really helpful. Exactly. And I think that's where, I mean, you talk about gym strength and another misconception that like runners think they need to train endurance reps. Oh and long so, But basically running is enough endurance. Like that's yeah. where someone's getting there. You want your running strength program to look completely different and to train a different attribute to all the running. Mm. You're not looking at cardio fitness in the gym. It doesn't need to be endurance. Um, and so, yeah, it should be that like three, three sets of, well, starting with sort of three sets of eight to 12 reps. Mm. Um, and if someone's doing, if someone's never done a strength program and they're at home doing three sets of eight single leg sit to stands, like nearly anyone will be fatigued from that. So that can mm. be such a simple way to start. Um, and that can be progressed. Like you can decrease the height of the chair. You can move it towards like, like, a pistol squad or <laughs> just getting into that but yeah you can create fatigue at home as well so mm. anyone can do it with 20 minutes spare mm. um, that's awesome yeah. yeah yeah so um i guess stepping away from what you can do at home because i mean that's that's fantastic but let's say you are in the gym and you are training um yeah. i know that there's some research around doing in the heavy compound lifts followed by plyometrics um is that relevant for achilles training or is that again mm. training something different no so again in the gym like you want to be training a few different attributes mm. like if you just yeah. did um i mean maybe if you're a sprinter or a hurdler you just go to the track and do a half hour of plyometric um but in the gym you'd be better off having like a bit of a mixed training approach. So a bit of that tendon spring, um, a bit of like compound lift strength exercises, and maybe over time you'd have some power exercises as well. So generally the way I might structure it is the exercises with the highest demands on like what we call like the central nervous system, I would have first. So you plyometrics. Um, and then I would have some power exercises. So the power exercises, that could be a box jump. It could be a, um, a squat jump. It could be like a trap bar jump. It could be forward jumps or that sort mm. of thing. And then nearly any runner still should have their main strength movements in there. And this should revolve around a knee dominant movement. So say a squat or single leg squat or um, maybe a split squat. Then they should have a hip dominant movement. So whether that's a um, deadlift or a hinge or a barbell glute bridge or hip thrust. And then you probably want to have like a single leg exercise as well, single leg compound lift. And usually yeah, this is a lunge or a split squat. Um, and if you have those three and then maybe some calf strength at the end, you're pretty much hitting all the main muscle groups and the few different attributes. So you had a little Mm. bit of spring at the start. You had a bit of power, which is training something called rate of force development, which improves the ability to push into the ground to take a longer stride. 
Um, and then you have your main strength, which are building the capacity in your muscles to handle the loads. They're changing the tendons, they're changing your muscles, they're improving bone strength, bone health, mm -hmm. so you can handle more loads. So yeah, you almost want to be thinking of training a couple of different things in the gym within your one half hour, 45 minute program. Mm. Um, and it can be like a few exercises of each. How many times a week does it need to be? Is doing it once a week going to be enough? So research will show that twice is enough to make gains. If someone's in like a comp phase, um, once a week will maintain three times is probably ideal, but twice is definitely enough um, mm. to create some performance gains as well. Mm. Yeah. But if, if someone's loads are increasing with running, once will maintain. So this is where like if people get busy with their running, they shouldn't stop. They should just try and maintain once a week in the gym. Um, but ideally put it in, you know, definitively twice per week. Yeah, which isn't isn't too much to ask, I think. Like that's pretty well. I say that I'm like that's quite realistic, surely. Um, but obviously, you know, my background is spending a lot of time in the gym, so for me, that yeah, I guess I shouldn't speak for everyone. But um, I just think if if anyone's had a running injury, then mm. they're they can't afford not to be strengthened yeah. twice a week. That's <laughs> yeah. it, right? Because and an like, injury stopping for an injury takes a lot of time. Yeah. That's it. Like it's yeah. so much more stop start when you're not doing that. And if you have to spend some time rehabbing it, um, whether it's just like doing your physio exercises at home and doing that bare minimum just to get through and get back running again, um, it's inevitable that you're going to be back in that yeah. same um, position again. So why not just create that consistency and um, not have these big gaps so you can actually just string your training together and continue to see progress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you just make it a habit and it's, mm. it can be just half an hour. Like mm. you hit about six exercises over half an hour and yeah, you reduce your injury risk and you improve your running as well. Gosh, surely we've sold it to the listeners by now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> saying we should get commission from whoever owns strength training. Yeah. <laughs> if that was a company, we would um, have some shares in it for strength sure. Training. We might start that company. <laughs> yeah, do it. We'll um, join you. We'll be partners. Um, yeah. Now, Tom, you've got plenty of content online that people need yeah. to check out. I'm assuming everyone that listens must follow you because it's you've just got some great content out there. So that's really cool. Um, you. you also offer some um, strength programs as well that people can sign up to. You're doing some courses as well. Do you want to tell everyone about that and how they can sort of reach out to you and follow along? Yeah. So um, it's at mechanics underscore of movement. So mainly Instagram. Yeah. Um, and basically my goal with that was just to reiterate the importance of strength and conditioning and for practice and educating um, people, but also practitioners so that this can become mm. more widespread as a treatment approach. Um, so for practitioners like us, it makes it easier for us to sell it to our patients. If everyone, every practitioner starts to do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I started a online course to eight week course slash mentorship, but that's, um, just goes through the main principles of lower limb rehab and strength and conditioning. Um, but that's for allied health practitioners who work in rehab. And then I've got a, so there's a four-week beginner run strength program. That one's free um, just through my app. And that can be found through the Instagram link in the bio. 
Um, but that's just basically an introduction for someone to get started at home. Um, it's progressively loaded as well over four weeks. And then that goes into a 12 week run stronger program, which um, that one's not free. That one's works out about, I think it's 120, 10 bucks a week. Um, but that is progressed over 12 weeks and there's sort of four phases. So there's four weeks of sort of building some muscle, four weeks of getting that bit stronger, four weeks of power and more plyometric. Um, and so I use that a lot in clinic and I actually measure people day one um, of that. So I measure their strength, I measure their power, their plyometric ability, and then I measure them up to 12 weeks, a very similar program. And I haven't researched it yet, but so far people are getting, um, yeah, stronger, more powerful, more plyometric um, and hopefully reducing, uh, improving their running times as well. <laughs> That's but, so um, great. Yeah, I think that program in my eyes is a good program because people seem to actually be improving their power and strength as well. Mm. Um, and again, hopefully I can research that in future to show that, you know, we can change those things mm. and hopefully that results in, yeah, reduced injury risk, better times for people as well. Because that's what yeah, people actually care about. I mean, I care about strength and power and stuff. Yeah. People just care about, oh, is my running getting faster? So yeah, that's probably the main thing. Yeah, mm. exactly. But the two have to go hand in hand, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. Awesome. All right, well, we will leave all those links below so people can get straight to it. Um, hopefully they can join in because I think it's just so clear that we need to be doing something. And if you've got it all laid out nicely for people to follow, um, you're the expert so they can just watch watch what's on there and follow along it makes them makes it I guess easy no excuses because they can just mm. listen yeah. to you and, and do what mm. you say and clearly it's working so um yeah I would highly recommend it awesome mm. thanks guys yeah thank you so much for coming on like I just think there's so many takeaways for our listeners so many things that they can do right now and put yeah put into practice which is super exciting and hopefully everyone will have learned a lot about what the Achilles is, some of the big misconceptions and yeah, what they can start doing. So thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate no. you coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's always good. I always feel quite privileged that people want to hear what I have to say, mm. what I've learned along the way. So yeah, you've got great. some good stuff to say. So yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah.